This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Well, good morning. Today we're going to learn a a Hebrew word and have a little bit of fun with it. And in fact, I don't know if you can get um, your study guide out or if you could take some time to maybe even uh, look online and follow us along. But the word is nehushtan. Everybody say nehushtan. All right. So we're going to be going letting go of your nehushtan. And uh, so it's a little play on words. But we're going to study a character in the Bible named Hezekiah. And for you that maybe are newer to the Bible, Hezekiah is a king in the Old Testament. And most people uh, really kind of get the, the kings in this light as Jesus is obviously the greatest king, king of kings. And then most people think of David as king. And then I would say Hezekiah is probably one of the other ones that you know, people would be in, in thought of that if they really have been more studious of the Bible, they would think, well, Hezekiah was a great king too. And, and he was. In fact, the Bible says that he, was, he could have been even in comparison to a greater king in perspective than David himself. And we're going to get to, to um, understanding why that is in just a, a, a few minutes. But Hezekiah, what he did was he took down um, shrines. And what a shrine is, is, is things that people worship, things that, uh, even good things. And I believe today, I'm, I'm hopefully we can grab hold of that because many of us, we have shrines in our own life, things that are past. And, and so when I'll ask people, hey, what's God doing in your life? And, and when you talk about something that happened 20 years ago, that's a shrine, because God's doing, I mean, are you telling me that God just, you know, stopped doing something 20 years ago? In fact, the Bible's very clear in John, it says that God never stops working. So the problem is, is that isn't that God isn't, God didn't stop working. The problem is, is you're not working with him or you're not seeing what he's doing and getting involved with what he is doing. doing. And so I would say, get, you know what, let go of your Nehushtan. And the Nehushtan, what it was, is, uh, is back in that day when Moses and the people were going through the, the place of the wilderness, um, they were actually, they be, began to be disobedient to God, started complaining and murmuring. And what happened was, is these vipers, these snakes, God goes, well, you're going to complain. And, you know, some of us parents do that. Uh, you know, I remember when my, my mom and dad said, you want to keep complaining? I'll give you something to, to complain about. Yeah, you, hear, you ever heard of that statement? I'll give you something. Well, that's what God did. All right. So all of a sudden these snakes started going on there, biting everybody. And the only way to get through the viperous uh, bite was to look at this, this crazy stick hanging in the air with, a, with a, uh, like a serpent around it. And so the very thing that bit you was the very thing you had to look at to get healed from. And that was called Nehushtan. That's literally what it was called. And what had happened was, is instead of recognizing this was the way God moved in a day, in an hour, the people of God weren't looking for something new for God to work in their life. They went back like we do today. We look back at what happened in the old moments. And so they had gotten to this so much of a a shrine of this that actually the, the worshipers, or you might say the priest of that day, what they were doing is they were offering incense to this crazy shrine. 
And so I would say today, you know what? Let's stop giving attention to what God, we can be thankful for what God did, amen. But God wants to do something new in your life. And that's the whole message today. We're gonna be talking about God wanting to do new in your life. And I, I love the uh, theme that, that uh, Rita has. Um, she's on our, our staff and, he, and about this that is 20 plus one. Everybody say 20 plus one. And I, I mean, I, I didn't come up with it. You know, the Lord gave it to her. And, and so, but I wanna spin it if we could because our elders had asked me, Pastor, what is your vision for this next year? And, uh, you know, in, in last year, I remember, t- I thought 2020 was going to be the best year ever, you know what I mean? So, and I, I, had, I mean, we're going to have 2020 vision, and, and I was so excited about the year, and then March came, and everything went just crazy, right? Well, to be honest with you, 2020 was the best year for me in my personal spiritual walk. There are things that the Lord did in my life through this hardship in fact, my father even noticed. Here's my father who lives in Jenison. We don't have a lot of interaction. He's probably watching it right now. Hopefully he hears it and is honored by this. But he had asked me in Christmas, and he goes, um, what's going on in your life? And I go, Dad, there's so much going on in my personal life. I can't tell you how good God is. And he goes, son, it shows. It shows in your preaching, it shows in your marriage, it shows every time we gather together for Christmas, just it shows what God is doing in your life. It's, it's so in you that it just gets out of you. That's what God wants to do, amen? He's, the Holy Spirit is so flooded and, and coming inside of your life that it just can't do anything but get outside of your life. Well, one of the things I've always learned, and I've learned this at a young age, and maybe you've never learned this, but I never knew the word for it, Nehushtan, but I've always let go of those shrinest moments. I don't talk about what's happened in the past, other than I'm so thankful for it, because that same power that did that event is moving me into a new place. In fact, you know, we go with glory to glory, we go from faith to faith. We're never, as Christians, ever supposed to be stuck, ever, should we ever be stuck. And I wonder if the Lord had helped me when, because I was a, I'm a builder um, by you know skill set, and so I love building new projects. You ask me, say, what, what is your one of your favorite things to do? Is it's building new homes. I love doing that. You know, and I haven't my, my last house I built it was it was 21 years ago, and it was, um, and you know, I don't want to go into that experience, but I love building new homes. And it's, it's fun to see them, and you, you tear up the ground, and then you, you go over there and you start staking it out. And I can see that new house from the minute I start putting those stakes in the ground. Most people can't, but I can see that house go up. I can see where it's gonna go, I can see how the garage, I can see how the foundation is gonna lay, and I can see the walkout or not walkout. I can literally see that place in its structure before even, even any block is put on that, uh, on that house. And I get excited about it. But here's the thing about my Christianity. It's usually I'm never allowing God to do a, to do a new uh, uh, building with me. Because I'm, I'm an, uh, let's just say I'm an old building right now. God's always remodeling with me. Because sometimes I build things I shouldn't have built. Shrines. Sometimes I've added on spaces I shouldn't have added on. And so God is always remodeling. I, I have done a lot of remodeling in my life, even in my own home. I've already remodeled some things and showers or, or bathrooms or, or um, certain areas that I've remodeled or added on and stuff like that. And remodeling is just a lot more work. 
It's just a lot more work. We just finished this house. Um, my, my sons and I just finished this particular house, and we're flipping it. And it's just a lot more work to do. And it, honestly, to be truthful with you, it takes a lot more intuitiveness because you're stuck with something that's already foundationally there. You're stuck. You don't, you don't, nobody really remodels and changes the foundation. That's still there. Nobody really, really changes the, the, the actual landscape. That's still there. So you're left with a structure that's there and hope to God, like the one we're doing right now, we realize that somebody literally built over where there was a fire. And so you're sitting there looking at a, a, a piece of wood. You're going, I don't even know how this is holding up the house. And so that's the, that's the remodel. Well, here, let's just face it. If you're living and breathing right now today, you're not a new creation. You're not a baby. You're in this thing. In fact, most of the babies are sitting in the nursery right now. You're a remodel project for God. And that means that there's some things that are going to have to be pulled out, plucked up, tore down, and so that God can do new, and that is never, I'm going to tell you something, if you were a piece of wood, or if you were a house, if you could feel the pain, and if you could feel things that are being ripped up, it would not be a pleasant experience, amen? So that remodeling part of it, but see, the big thing is, is that there's somebody that's got a grand design in all of it. Somebody has a grand design, that's God. And uh, my mother-in-law, such a sweet, godly woman, she was just saying the other day, she was talking about the potter. Here's my mom talking about, she says, and you know, you're on that potter's wheel, right? Well, how does that thing get shaped when you're on the potter's wheel? Through pressure. Through pressure. 2020 has been a year of pressure. Oh man, there's been a pressure. And you know what? Some of the things, some people are spinning right off the wheel. In fact, I've seen a lot of Christians that I thought would never got off the wheel. They got right off the wheel of faith. They got right off the wheel into worry. They got right off the wheel. I'm like, what? get on the wheel, people. That's where you belong, and this pressure will literally go over there, and God will shape who you are in that space. That's why we have stayed the course as a church. That's why we have stayed open. We don't know what we're doing many times. We know that God's remodeling what he's doing in this place, but we're going to stay on the wheel. Amen? And we have no idea what God's going to build into it, but we know that it's in his hands, it's not ours. And we're not going to allow ourselves to go over there and start cranking the wheel. This is God's handiwork. And so today as we talk about it, Hezekiah is known. He is known because he tore down high places. He is known because he's a person who got serious about his walk with God. And he longed to say, God, I want to know everything. And let me tell you something. His background was terrible. He watched. I, I don't know this to be true, but the Bible states that his dad Ahaz was such a wicked man, king, wicked king, that he sent his own son, Ahaz sent his own son through the fire which means he had him literally sacrificed to death. So Hezekiah more than likely witnessed one of his brothers, if not more than one of his brothers, be crucified or killed or literally sacrificed because of sorcery and witchcraft. 
which his father. So Hezekiah wasn't raised in a godly environment. He wasn't raised in this is how to do it. And maybe you're here today, you're not raised in how to do it. Maybe you don't have any ancestry in church or any kind of foundation in church. Let me tell you something. If you have a heart to see God and you follow the inclinations that God will put on your heart, there's great things that God can do in and through your life. That's the story. So we, all of us, in this room right here, we gotta let go of our new hand. And that's, you know what, I believe 20 plus one can be the year. In fact, one of um, Richard, one of our elders in the front, to say, Pastor Ron, what do you see for 2021? I see that all of us raising disciples. Every, what would happen if every person in this room would take somebody aside in their workplace, in their family, in their, uh, maybe in their neighborhood or whatever it is, and they would say, I'm gonna help that person. I'm gonna disciple that person in Christ. Well, the church would double in size in one year. If one, if that's just one person, if you just took one person aside, and I believe you say, well, well, what is it like to be a disciple? You know what? It's just living who Christ is in your life and just sharing who he is outside of your life. It's messy. Your life is messy, and all you do is express the mess and what God does. You say, look, I know I'm messy, but I am going to do the best I can to stay on that potter's wheel. So let's read together, if we could, in 2 Kings chapter 18, King Hezekiah. Verse 1, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, began to rule over Judah in the third year of King Hosea's reign in Israel. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, cut down the astral poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. That bronze serpent was called Nehushtan. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. He revolted against the king of Assyria and refused to pay him tribute. He also conquered the Philistines as far distant as the Gaza and its territory from their smallest outpost to their largest walled city. The Holy Spirit is bringing this message today because I believe we're facing a new year. I believe that there's a lot of things that were revealed in this past year. I believe there's a lot of things that are broken up. And I believe it's time for us, God, to, you know what, to build, for him to do the remodel in his church today, and in, his pers- in our personal walks today, in our marriages today, in our children today. I believe that God is about to do an about face, and that he is going to show his church that it is a powerful work of God. And God said, you know what, that the church would be judged first. By the way, when you say, well, why is it seen so hard on the church today? Because God said that when he would bring back his glory, that he would judge the church first. The church is the instrument of righteousness. It is the viewpoint of this world. It is literally the ambassador of God's plan. We are the divine work of his hands. And if we have shut down and if we act like the world, what hope is there for the world? 
We are not here to act like the world. We're not here to respond like the world. We are to be the light of the world, amen? And when the world is going to darkness, how much more even glorious will that light show? Well, here's Hezekiah living in a dark time. In fact, I ask you, study out who King Ahaz was. This man brought the whole Judah into such a dark place. And then God raised up his son, Hezekiah, to bring such light. So... Let's find some passages that we can hold on to because, listen, with all my inspirational talk, it means squat. What means everything is God's word. And you hold on to his truth. You put it in front. What inspires me is not a speech, but his truth. And his truth that, you know what? And what can happen is when the Holy Spirit grabs that truth and brings it into your day, into your life, it'll become your truth. It's not meant to be somebody else's truth. It's meant to be yours. That's why God doesn't pass it on from generation to generation. Every generation needs to receive it like the prior one. Amen? And so are, here, are you here to receive it or are you to be a bystander of it? Isaiah 43, 19 for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers and dry wastelands. This is the promise I'm holding on to for 2021. Isaiah 42, nine. See, the former things have taken place. New things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Isaiah 48, six. You've heard these things, look at them. Oh, will you not admit them? From now on I will tell you of new things, of hidden things unknown to you. In Lamentations 3, 19 to 25, I believe so applicable to this year of our walk. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies, they never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search him out. Father, I pray right now that that's the medication that we receive in this hour of our life, that we search you out. You are doing a new work, God. You are always doing a new work. I pray that our eyes, God, are open, that we search it out. I pray, Lord, that our ears, Lord God, are not so deafened, but Father God, that we're hearing and Lord God, capturing what you're saying, not what everybody else is saying. Not what God, the, the media is saying, but what you are saying in that still, quiet space. God, I pray that our heart, Lord, is not hard because of the events that we've had and incurred. But God, it's softened because, Lord, we're on that potter's wheel. God, I pray this moment right now that, Lord, here we are still in 2020, but it makes us afresh for what's coming, the plus one. You're going to do such a beautiful work in your church in this next year, God. And Lord, we declare it, we speak it, God, we believe it, God. I pray that, Lord, we're ready to receive it individually as well as corporately. God, I pray churches across the world, God, get ready to receive it. 
in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Number two says, Jesus is the author. He's the starter, the power, the helper, the hope, the developer, and the believer in new beginnings. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. One of the things I'm learning to do is, is try to turn back on my own shame. I pray that you learn to do this yourself. I think if I look back and see the biggest hindrances I've ever had as a husband, as a pastor, and as a father, is this, this thing called shame. And every one of us have it, which means that you find, you come to an awareness that you're not enough, that you're not enough as a husband, that you're not enough as a wife, that you're not enough as a father or a mother, that you're not enough as a grandfather, or you're not enough as a, a leader, or you're not enough in your thing. And I realized I come to that place and that, that word, and you know what, it's, there's one thing that you can do is maybe just trying to push it off, but the, the ship of shame constantly comes within my shores of my living. And if it's nothing else, the enemy, the devil himself is always ringing it in your ear. You're just, you're doing this wrong. You're saying this wrong. You've done that wrong. You've said that wrong. You didn't do this. You should have done that. And all of constantly. And so what, I, what happens is I can try to ignore or sometimes I've displaced it and say, well, maybe my awesome wife can maybe make up the, the, you know, the problem. Or maybe my staff, they can make up where, I've, where I haven't. Maybe somebody else. And I've, I've shifted it over. And yet God says, you don't despise the shame that I've carried for you. Despise it. Jesus says he despised it, which means I am not gonna allow that word. I'm not gonna allow the past. I'm not gonna allow any of that in my life because it is literally not gonna be the framework that God can work inside of me. When he says something, God wants to do something new, never does he bring it with shame. That's how you know the Satan's voice versus God's voice. Satan's is always condescending and condemning. God's is always convicting, yes, but empowering. Which one will you listen to? And I'm learning what if I'm gonna be like my Lord Jesus, I'm gonna despise the shame in my own life and say, you know what? It doesn't matter, devil. You got nothing to work with because everything new is coming. And you don't even know what's coming. You don't, you're so lost in what to do with me because you don't even know what's coming. Only God knows what's coming. And the only thing that you can work with is what's in the past. And I'm already let go of that, so you got nothing to work with. Isn't that some, that, that's the life that we should be living. But see, if we're hanging on to the old shrines, you're giving the enemy to something. God's not working with that old thing. Satan's the only one wanting to work with that old thing. Hezekiah's going to tearing it all down. Say, here I am afresh, God. Let's do something real and powerful in these hours to come. I love what Jesus said here in Luke. We know that Jesus had a new beginning. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you're my son whom I love and you am I'm well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 
years old when he began his ministry. A new beginning. This is your, this is your Lord. This is your Savior. If Jesus himself, who was perfect, had to have another new beginning, how much more do you? How about Paul and Acts chapter 9? And we know that in what, in fact, I would love it if you'd study it out. I was so pleased with my mother-in-law. She's, I, you know, because she was here last week, and she goes, I looked up those scriptures, Pastor Ron, and she called me Pastor Ron, you know, and it, she says, I looked them up, and it meant my whole week was changed. Thank you for the challenge. So please tell me it's not just my mother-in-law that listens to me. <laughs> okay? She looked those passages up. I want to have you look this one up in Acts chapter 9. All the way, it talks about, here's this man who God gave a new name, okay? No longer was he named as Saul, but he became Paul. And uh, I'm gonna give you another challenge, and I'm sorry I don't remember uh, the video, but there's, uh, we, I was praying about devotions for Christmas with my family. And we had 30-some of us, you know, um, there's just, we have a, I have a tribe, I don't have a family, I have a tribe. You know what I mean? So, but anyway, I was praying about the devotional moment. And God says, Tell them about heaven. Tell them about heaven. So I looked it up and, you know, I, I, I'm learning. This is one of my places of, of shame because I thought it was always my place to lead my kids. And that, I, that if I didn't do it, that, there was, that I, wasn't, I was not doing my job. And I've learned that, you know what, God has, you guys have helped my family. I love church. Because you guys, the church, have done so much for my kids. I don't, even, I don't even know where my kids would be if it wasn't for the church. I'm so grateful for the church. And so the point I'm trying to make is that I, I, thought, I always thought I have to do it. And so I, I'm going I'm I'm to see what's going on YouTube. And checked out YouTube and saw this character I never met before talk about heaven. I watched all my kids, I watched some just be glued to the 16-minute teaching on heaven. And I learned stuff in it. I was so excited about, you know, and I, I challenge you, Google this. Now, there are, I even told my kids, I go, look it up. There's some weird stuff out there. I would love it if you asked, hey, pastor, this is for real for not. I would love those questions because you're searching out truth. If you search out truth, you're going to find even more truth, amen? And so I watched how my kids looked and were longing and saying, wow, that's what's coming. In fact, it's, I believe it, it's one of the things I'm going to be starting to, to move us in in 2021 is, is a picture of what heaven is. And one of the things I learned is, man, I, I got mansions. I don't just have one mansion. I got mansions. Everybody say mansions. <laughs> I love that because here's, here's this guy speaking and I never saw it so scripture. He says, there's a city that comes out of heaven that's so huge and there's this city that we're going to rule and reign out of. Sweet, there's my space. And then all of a sudden I, I went, he goes, yeah, but it also says in John chapter 14 that I go prepare a place for you in heaven. And did I not, you know, I prepare a mansion. So I'm like, whew, 
I got a place in heaven, and I'm going to have a new place on this earth to rule and reign. And I don't, I don't want to go into all of it. There's so much that God has in store for us. Can you imagine that? Why in the world do we want to hang on to this dull, dull world when this is what's coming? And yet so many of us, because we don't talk about what's coming. Let me tell you something. The devil needs to hear what's coming in the goodness of your life. Because you know what? He hates hearing how good you're going to have it. That's one. Number two is you need to hear how good it is so that you want to live even further into the sanctified space that God has you on this earth. Because you don't have a voice about talking about heaven unless you're living heaven out today. Anyway, that's just a, that's some excerpts of our tomorrows. I get so excited about where God is bringing the church, this church in general. Paul, Acts chapter, what is it, actually chapter 9, 1 through 19, Paul had have a new, a new beginning. By the way, this guy speaks, he says, every one of you have a new name in heaven. You'll get a new name in heaven. And that name will represent who you are in your characteristics. Think about when God interacted with people. He always gave them a what? A new name. I just get so stoked when I think about this stuff and, and stop living in your dry shrine going over to the, what's happening. Oh, God's got something so new. He's teaching me so many new things. In Acts chapter two, the disciples trying to teach the, the, all of those who are coming into salvation, same thing I'm trying to teach you guys right now. Verse 36. Therefore, all the house of Israel know surely that God made the same Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. And hearing this, they were stabbed in the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, men, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your kids, and to all those that are far off. New beginnings. Number three, the power behind the new beginning. My passage for this year has been, I, I could not, I had to end with this year with it. This has been my passage for this year for me. Philippians 2.13. It's God working in you, Pastor Ron, to do what? Giving you the desire and the power to do what? To do what? To please as him. Philippians 2.13 has been a, a passage that I have just been holding on. God, it's your power that works in me to please you. It's your power that works in me to pray differently. It's your power that works in me to love differently. It's your work in me, in, in me for I can lead differently. It's your power that works in me that God, that it's working to what pleases. It's, I don't have to muster this up. I don't have to sit and memorize certain scriptures so that all of a sudden I'm gonna take on that. No, it's his power that works in me to do what pleases daddy. Number four, focus on the new beginnings and don't build shrines of the past. No Nehushtan. No Nehushtan. I'm not going to build a shrine. I, when someone asks me, hey, pastor, what's, doing, what's going on in your life? Well, back in 2018, it was a good year. And in that year, there was the year where the church really grew, you know, and, and, and I could go over there and say, well, what's 2020 been? Well, it's um, don't see as many people in the house, but the house is still living in the house of God. Amen. 
And so I'm not here looking as man sees, but as God sees. Focus on the new beginnings. Don't build shrines. Number five, many will try to have new beginnings and some earthly success. You know, it's, I mean, honestly, this, we talk, you know, people will try to lose weight. They'll say, oh, I'm going to stop gossiping. I'm going to have a better, I'm going to do, I'm going to do devotions better this year. You know, New Year's resolutions, right? That'll be going on. A lot of people do that. And it's, and you know, even some people will have some victory in it. You know, they say if you do it 21 days in a, in, in a row, that it becomes part of your characteristics. Let me tell you something. And even though those might be good things, it's not Philippians 2.13. It's not the power of God that worked in you to do it. So if, if I wanted to lose weight, I want to ask the Lord to do it in me. God, this is you, then I want to have you do it in me so that you get the praise, that you get the glory. Or if I'm struggling with the way I'm treating my wife and I want to treat her as the queen that she is, God, may it be your power that works in me to be different. For some of you that are getting engaged, congratulations, by the way. Some of you that are getting engaged, God, may it be your power that works in me to be the wife that you've called me to be. May it be that power that works in me. Okay, that, these are the things that so many of you, well, it seems like, you know, that, well, that just seems so weak. No, you're on the potter's wheel. And God will shape you. And it'll take time for that shaping because it's a remodel project. It's a remodel. God, there are some things that he's going to take out of you and some new things he's going to put inside of you. That's what happens during that time. And all you do is trust. And there's, there's some times where it's, it's, it's a tearing away. There's some times where you don't really understand what's going on. There's some times where you, God just going, look, you need to trust me in this. I got this. If I could have the team come up here, I want to close. So many people come up with excuses. And so I want to hit on that just a minute if I could. You know, while pastor, I wasn't raised in this, um, or I, you know, you don't really know the, the struggle that I've been in, in my marriage, or you don't really understand um, what's going on in, in, in the, the space of my life. And I don't, you're right, I don't. But I do know this, that God is greater than any event and activity that's going on in your life. And that what I have found is this, that God's not after what I can succeed in. He's after the character that comes to the events in my life. God is after the character that events in my life bring me through. Some of those events are, they seem overwhelming. They seem hard pressed against me. What character, what is Christ? And you say, well, what, what does that mean? It's what comes out of your mouth. Jesus said it. He says, it's, it's not what goes in the belly that destroys you. It's what comes out of your belly. What are you talking like? Are you moaning and complaining? Are you embittered in soul? Are you just, all you're doing is, is caught up and it's not fair? Or are you realizing, God, this is what pastor's talking about. I'm on that wheel. 
And I'm sorry for getting off that wheel with my complaining. I'm sorry for getting off that wheel with thinking about it's I'm the only person going through this situation. That You know, the Bible says that, be sure of this, that any test that you're on, that it, you're not alone, that there are many others going through that same test, and that he's not provided a way through. Here's what I've learned is this. I don't get my eyes on the test. I get my eye on the path through it. And there's a reason why Jesus was called the way, the truth, and the life. I love even the, even the chronological order of what he was said. He's the way, the truth. It's just like this. When you find his way, you'll see the truth in it, and you'll experience a life through it. That's Christ. That's Christ. He wants to live. Philippians 2.13, passage that's becoming so alive in me. It's his power that works in me to do what pleases him. It's his power. No new hushtam. I'm not holding on to shrines. Or 2019 or 2015 or 2010 or five or whatever or even 2020. God, behold, I do a new thing. I call it in before it even it begins to happen. I call those things that be not, God says, as though they are. God is calling it, speaking it, creating it. Will we be the vessels that grieve it, quench it, resist it? Or will we be the vessels that are fluid with it? Because Jesus is the way, you'll find the truth and experience the life in it. Would you please bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I thank you so much for just to understand. Lord, I, even this morning, thinking about coming into that holy space with you, the golden lampstand, the Holy Spirit, lighten up our soul, lighten up the room that we're in, I pray right now for, Lord, those who are watching this. I pray for those who are in this room right now. Holy Spirit, light up their soul. God, that they might see and breathe and, and, and grab hold of the very breath, the very life of God in this space. That they, God, that they know that you're speaking something personal. You made it personal, Jesus, on the cross. May we receive it personal in the crossroad of our life. We're here ready to face a whole new year because of the joy that's inside of us. We are ready to endure. Jesus, for the joy that was inside of him, was ready to endure the cross. Whatever we will face, God, that joy inside of us, God, will give us the strength to face it. If you're here this morning, Maybe you're even watching it right now. And inside of you, there's no joy. There's no hope. You've lost that somewhere down the path, or maybe you never, ever, ever had it. I know what it's like to have a life without meaning. I know what it's like to have a life where you're searching that there's got to be meaning. Even found myself looking for that inside of a church. Well, the meaning of life his name is Jesus. 
He's the beginner. He's the author. And he's the finisher of the purpose that you are longing to have. And if you'll accept him and all he's done for you by dying on the cross, if you'll receive the power of his love and his hope and his forgiveness inside of your life, there will be a journey. It will not, it still be with many bumps and, and, and humps and bruises even in that pathway. But Jesus will be through every step as you lean into him. Say, Pastor Ron, I, I need that. I, I want to accept that journey in my walk. Or maybe you've lost that. Maybe you got off that path. He is the way after all. Maybe you got off the walk of his way of doing it. And you want to come back on. I want you to pray this prayer with me if that's you. For those of you in this room, you you know who you are. Make this prayer your own. For those of you watching right now, and you know what, after you've accepted this prayer as yours, and you're longing and saying, that I, I made that prayer personal, there, there's a, you, you can follow online and there's some steps that you can make that will help you in your journey. We want to help you in this journey. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I accept what Jesus did on the cross for my sins. I receive the power, the love, and the forgiveness in my life teach me your ways Holy Spirit light up the path in Jesus name Amen let's stand up and let's worship our King shall we if you liked this message we want you to share it subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv get involved ask for prayer, share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.